Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. All groups of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents for another Saturday in isolation. We're recording this show on Friday the 22nd of May for broadcast on Saturday the 23rd of May. Good morning, Giselle. It's lovely to be with you again and to see you. And um, because it is Friday, uh, May 22nd, I, I do want to say one little message before. Happy shout birthday out. to my brother. A shout out to your brother. Happy birthday, yes. Manrico. Of course, right. uh, um, Manrico is the Vice Chairperson of Australia Asia Worker Links. And this show is brought to you by... Australia Asia Worker Link. So, of course, it's if you want to get a fantastic little know, segue, uh, queen of segue. segues. Uh, I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed. Oh, well, I mean, that just means your expectations of me are quite low, Pierre. Um, <laughs> you said it. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, if you do want to get in touch with Australia Asia Worker Links, you can find us on the web, allthews.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so find us on those social media platforms where we continue to post news and current affairs and labour movement issues from the Asia-Pacific region. But it is... And today, oops, today no, we've no. got the... And today we've got uh, our usual roundup of news from the region, but uh, in the second half we'll have an interview. Giselle. That's right. Our comrades over at AFIDA Union Aid Abroad um, uh, had a public meeting recently. That public meeting was scheduled for the 13th of May. So that, that happened. And it was a discussion about COVID-19 and how uh, impoverished communities are surviving and workers in those countries are surviving. So we're going to bring you one of the talks at that um, public meeting. We're going to bring you Sri Wulandri. And she is the Myanmar country officer for a feeder and so we're going to learn about how workers are surviving and fighting back in both Indonesia and Myanmar and she talks a little bit about other countries in um, Southeast Asia so that's the second part of the show. Fantastic, fantastic and of course uh, you're listening to us on 3CR radio and um, I believe 3CR radio is going to have a special uh, small June appeal but uh, we'll give more um, information as it comes, but just uh, be aware of that. But should we go straight to the news stories, Giselle? Let's do it. I'll, um, should I start? Yes, please. All right. So, all right, we'll go to India. We brought you a number of uh, news stories from India before, but another one. Uh, Amid a punishing lockdown that has pushed millions of workers to the edge of destitution and starvation in India, Capitalists now want to restart the economy by increasing the already high rates of exploitation. The government of the state of Uttar Pradesh has approved a new ordinance that will exempt businesses from almost all labour laws for the next three years. Laws connected to industrial matters such as disputes over layoffs and compensation, working condition of workers, health and safety, maintenance of facilities like um, drinking water canteens, restrooms and crash and interstate worker regulation will all be suspended. 
In another Indian state, Madhya Pradesh, the, the government has actually gone even further. It has legislated businesses to increase working hours by four hours per day, from eight to 12 hours per day. It has also allowed up to 72 hours of a week in overtime, in addition to relaxing other labor regulations. Uh, let listener work out how many hours all that comes up. Now, in a tragic incident highlighting the precarious situation for workers in India, 24 migrant workers were killed and many others injured when two lorries collided in the Aruya districts of Uttar Pradesh earlier this week. Well, we are seeing those moves, not just in India, but everywhere, including here in Australia. So um, uh, I know that we're all uh, trying to survive the pandemic, but we must fight because the capitalists will use this. Well, they're trying to survive too. And the way that they survive is by killing us. Um, Speaking of killing us, a young Palestinian youth was shot dead in the West Bank on Wednesday last week. And this was when Israeli forces shot dead 15-year-old Palestinian teenager Zaid Fadl Kaisai. He was in the Al-Fawa refugee camp in Hebron province. The murder was a result of the Israel army incursion into the residential area to arrest another teenager who'd allegedly posted insults on an Israeli soldier's Facebook page. Ten other Palestinians were injured during this raid and a previous raid. The continued military raids come at a time of worsening social and economic situation for Palestinians in the West Bank due to the effect of COVID-19. On Friday, the 15th of May, that was the 72nd anniversary of Al-Nakba, the day of catastrophe that marks a day that hundreds of thousands of Palestinians were ethnically cleansed during the creation of the State of Israel in 1948. This dispossession is likely to get worse as the newly formed coalition Israeli government, headed by former rivals Benjamin Netanyahu and Benny Gantz, is expected to announce new large-scale annexation of the Westpac lands, reportedly most of the Jordan Valley. Quite incredible, um, really, it that is. story. It is. We'll go now to Pakistan, where this week over 5,000 workers staged the strike at the US apparel factory at uh, Gajumata in Lahore. Similarly, hundreds of workers also went on strike at Denim Textile in Karanji Industrial Area in Karachi. The reason for both of these strikes was delaying paying wages and the refusal by factory owners to give bonuses to workers before Eid, the end of Ramadan. Unfortunately, in both cases, workers were violently attacked by police who were brought in to disperse the workers. In the Karachi dispute, shots were fired by the police, injuring at, la at least one worker. Uh, the latest reports that we've had uh, indicate the workers were now able to get their wages paid. And moving now to China, where some labour activists have been released. Earlier last week, Wu Guizhun, Zhang Jiru, Zhang Hui, Song Jaihu and He Yongchen. That's actually five comrades who uh, were able to return home. They had actually been released earlier in April, but because of COVID-19, they had to undergo a two-week quarantine period. The five Labor activists were all arrested in coordinated police raids in January of last year. 
They were all convicted of gathering a crowd to disturb public order and were sentenced to up to four years in jail. All five have been prominent Labor activists during the, tw- the 2010s, organising workers' actions and protests in the southern cities of Shenzhen and Guangzhou. While the release of the five activists is welcomed, it needs to be stressed that several other Labor activists are still in some form of detention or restricted movement. In addition, none of these five Labor activists have been allowed to resume their work assisting workers in need. And I think uh, articles and news like that shows that while a lot of the media is about uh, the competition between Chinese leaders and US leaders, the reality for workers in China is very similar to most other countries in the world. And um, talking about uh, unmet needs and injustice, um, we go to Thailand, where this week, 10 years ago, the Thai military managed to finally destroy the permanent sitting. Uh, demonstration in the middle of Bangkok of the so-called red shirt anti-government protesters. Their demonstrators were calling for fresh elections from the then uh, Prime Minister Abbasid Vejajiva. In an operation that lasted a number of weeks, the Thai military kept up regular assaults on this gathering of thousands of demonstrators. While the final toll is still unclear, it is estimated that the military killed up to 90 people and injured many more. To this day, no open investigation has been carried out on these events and no charges have been laid against a single army person. And moving to Australia, where refugees continue to face isolation and depression. Following years of campaigning and advocacy, last year hundreds of asylum seekers and refugees were taken out of Australia's offshore concentration camps and taken to Australia on medical grounds. Unfortunately, they all remain locked up in a variety of detention centres, including hotels that have been converted into virtual prisons. At one of these hotels, the Mantra Hotel in the northern suburb of Preston, a 32-year-old Tamil refugee was found unconscious on Tuesday after a suicide attempt. This follows from another suicide attempt the previous week by another detainee in Brisbane. On Tuesday of this week, refugee activists staged a protest and brief occupation of the Mantra Hotel in Melbourne. More protests are being organised despite the police using COVID-19 social distancing legislation to further harass and repress these protests. And of course, the, uh, the situation for refugees all around the world is quite dire these days. And we go to our last item in Turkey, where in the last few weeks, dozens of academics have been dismissed for signing a peace statement calling for an end to repression against Kurdish and other people in the Kurdish provinces of Turkey. Global unions have also been informed that almost 1,400 unionists have been placed under an investigation for participating in a public event calling for more democratic space in Turkey. This latest crackdown is in conjunction with the recently passed passed amendments to the labour law and employment agency law that further weakens the power of workers. At the political level, the opposition party, the leftist People's Democratic Party, or HDP, has lost another five of its elected mayors as earlier this month they were sacked for so-called terrorism-related charges. The HDP had won 65 cities in local mayor elections in March of last year, but in just over a year, 51 of these mayors have been sacked by the national government. 
Human Rights Watch has stated that the government has now effectively cancelled the results of last year's elections. So um, we've brought lots of uh, news over the last few years from Turkey and uh, it certainly shows how hard it is for our comrades there. And that's the end of the news, uh, Giselle. That's right. That's the end of the news from around the region. We're going to go to some community announcements and then we'll have our feature story for the morning. Fitzroy Legal Service has launched a free information and advice phone service for people who have been stopped, questioned, fined or charged for breaching the new COVID-19 restrictions. Have you been fined or charged under the new laws or stopped and questioned by police for being outside? Call 0434 136 501. Weekdays between 9am and 5pm. That's 0434 136 501. Or head to fitzroy-legal.org.au for more information. You can also report incidents at covidpolicing.org.au. Fitzroy Legal Service is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents here on Community Radio 3CR. Don't forget to support your community radio station. We do have a fundraising pledge in the month of June. Go to the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au, to find out how you can contribute and support community radio. But now it's time for our feature interv- uh, our feature story for the morning. Uh, we'll be hearing from Sri Walandri, who is a Myanmar country officer for AFIDA Unionate Abroad. She works with local unions to support their capacity to organise and bargain for better wages and conditions. Um, Wulan has previously worked with the Global Union Building and Woodworkers International and she's speaking here about the situation for workers during the COVID-19 pandemic in Myanmar and Indonesia. My presentation will uh, focus on the unions uh, responding on a COVID, uh, crisis, also the impact of a COVID on a uh, workers' right in uh, Myanmar and also a bit about uh, Indonesia. So we, we, we start uh, with the with the Myanmar. Uh, it's a country that's uh, a bit late in uh, in uh, identifying case of COVID-19, but even before that, it's already severely hit by uh, COVID-19. That uh, since December and the end of April, that at least around uh, 175 cases of the operation. And then uh, uh, after Barbie's uh, New Year, the government issued an instruction to temporarily uh, shut down all the facts for the inspection to uh, inspect whether the factories met all the safety standards to contain the COVID-19 outbreak at the at the factory. And then so the, the shutdown period is uh, between April 20 to April 30, and then now it's extended to May uh, 15. And uh, if this is uh, continued, like uh, at least uh, 60,000 registered factories in Myanmar, they uh, will face irreversible uh, damage. Uh, I mean, they will lose all the profit and they might have to slow down their uh, operation for uh, many years uh, after this. And then also uh, we need to remember that 83% of Myanmar or uh, 18 million workers, they are in the informal workers. And then with all this uh, called uh, semi-lockdown in Myanmar, 
their jobs, their daily income, especially the construction uh, sector. And then also in a, there is an issue of the shortage of uh, raw material that has uh, happened uh, since uh, December uh, last year. So that's the outlook of uh, Myanmar. So I, I will only start with the outlook of uh, Myanmar, Indonesia, and then the union response and what kind of uh, international uh, solidarity uh, that we could uh, develop uh, further. So um, in March, there's already tripartite uh, dialogue uh, on this uh, COVID-19 Minister of uh, Labor. And then uh, on April 7th, the Minister uh, of the Official COVID-19 uh, Tripartite Committee with the engagement of the trade unions and the uh, uh, employers uh, association. Uh, the thing is that all this COVID pandemic crisis uh, happened in the middle of the dialogue of the minimum wage uh, setting in Myanmar. So in Myanmar, the minimum wage is set in uh, once in uh, every two years. So this year, uh, the minimum wage should be uh, increased and it should be uh, and the new minimum wage should be enforced in uh, March. But of course, it did not happen because of this uh, crisis. And then. Uh, in the beginning of uh, March, uh, there was a sort of like a, uh, it's very like, a, it's not really a commitment, but there was a discussion in the tripartite that the new minimum wage uh, likely uh, will be enforced in September. But then after Burmese New Year, we have not heard anything uh, anymore about this uh, minimum wage issue. So it's, uh, it's uh, delayed, but then, uh, one point that I would like to uh, highlight, uh, because it's related to Indonesia omnibus law uh, later on. Uh, in the middle of the wage in Myanmar in January, the uh, approved the amendment of the minimum wage law. This amendment uh, stipulates that uh, the minimum wage, uh, the minimum wage, should not be uh, fixed in a, in a certain period of time. It can be uh, fixed anytime, depending on the negotiation between employers and uh, and the workers. So it's sort of like a liberalization of a uh, wage in uh, in Myanmar. The the thing is that uh, many factories, I mean, the university in Myanmar is very low on only zero point six percent, and then it reflects the low uh, bargaining. Uh, position of, of the workers. So all these things uh, happen within the January and February while workers are coping with the factories uh, closure and, uh, and everything. And then now uh, there is a delay uh, uh, regarding this uh, minimum wage uh, issues. Um, of course, uh, garment sector is uh, severely uh, hit in, uh, in Myanmar. And then uh, well, <laughs> there's a common, uh, I mean, I mean, there's already some uh, global initiative uh, developed to uh, overcome this uh, crisis in the, in the government sector, like, for instance, like uh, encouraging bipartite dialogue and also to push uh, the brands to pay the manufacturer to finish the production and also for the brand to, uh, to keep paying the suppliers until uh, end of a contract. Also, if possible, brands to provide uh, direct uh, for the factories and suppliers to pay the workers. But 
this is a very immediate uh, solution you know just like uh, also eu they have already set up a global fund in myanmar to compensate uh, work for three months wages but it's all uh, immediate solution but the question that we need to be discussed later then what would happen after this three to uh, six months so now that's the outlook of myanmar so now if you look at uh, indonesia uh, workers have been uh, impacted by this uh, COVID-19, like 1.6 uh, million workers they have been uh, for off. So they, they, and then uh, Indonesia is anticipating 2.9 to 5.2 job uh, losses. Yes, outbreak. Um, so what happened? So uh, since uh, last quarter of, uh, of uh, last year and then also early this year, there's this uh, contacted omnibus law, which is uh, basically intended to uh, simplify all the procedure and uh, regulation uh, for uh, investment in Indonesia. And also the basic intention is that uh, there are so many barriers for a uh, lab intensive uh, industry in Indonesia. Like uh, before, uh, with the with the investment regulation that uh, Indonesia has, it could only accommodate the creation of a job for uh, two hundred thousand uh, workers uh, in a, in an annual uh, basis. But then, how to double the the job uh, creation? So that's the the main intention of the bill. So actually. This omnibus law is a compilation of all kind of law and regulation into, into one uh, law. And then there is this uh, content labor provision uh, uh, within this bill. Yeah? And then this con it is very contested because it uh, actually it uh, promotes a further uh, flex flexibilized uh, labor uh, relation. Like it introduced the unlimited duration of a contract and also potential uh, changes of uh, wage uh, system and also reduction of uh, severance payment and also a reduction of uh, rights uh, to leave. Um, again, it's it's a, it's a pro, it's not only it promotes a flexibilization of a, of a labor relation but also some areas are liberalized like a wage uh, negotiation and also uh, contract issues. And uh, if we look at the labor code, which uh, was just introduced in uh, Vietnam, there are also some similarity regarding this uh, flexibilization of a uh, uh, contract uh, of, uh, of labor. So this pandemic happened. Uh, and also in the same time, uh, many Southeast Asian countries, the labor law in Southeast Asian countries are uh, moving uh, forward yeah, toward the further uh, flexibilization of, uh, uh, of a labor and also further li liberalization or deregulation yeah, of, a, of, a, of a regulatory uh, framework. So it's a <laughs> multi-challenge, it's, it's a double uh, challenge that uh, we are uh, facing here. Um, of course, uh, with this uh, pandemic, uh, the, the the discussion of or, or the passage of this uh, labor provision in the in the omnibus law 
uh, is uh, was a delay uh, last month uh, because the government said they just wanted to wait for another uh, round of a stakeholder uh, discussion. So uh, it was uh, delayed in uh, in April. So that's the outlook of uh, Myanmar and then uh, Indonesia. Um, of course, for the government measure from Indonesia, there is uh, some budget uh, allocated for the healthcare, social protection, and also tax incentive for credit and uh, and business. And then, yeah, I mean, everywhere, including Myanmar and Indonesia, in the, when it comes to uh, practice, it's a bit uh, chaotic because I think these two countries, I mean, like others, are not really uh, ready in the in dealing with this uh, pandemic. Uh, crisis so i mean let's go to the point of uh, of uh, discussion after this uh, uh, outlook of these uh, two countries um once there is discussion internal discussion in afida but it's very interesting uh, discussion that encourage uh, uh, us to assess uh, the field uh, situation it's uh, it's uh, regarding the effectiveness of uh, alternating the production line by producing uh, PPEs and healthcare uh, facilities. Okay, as for uh, Myanmar, uh, the government has uh, made a commitment that uh, four factories uh, would produce, uh, would start producing face masks. And also, um, there's, there's already one uh, healthcare uh, factory in Myanmar, but it's uh, the product is for uh, to, uh, to be exported to Hong Kong. But then now the government uh, and the factory had an agreement that they could buy this uh, healthcare product for the domestic uh, market. So basically, this is not alternating the production line. It's just a new arrangement between this uh, Myanmar government and this uh, factory. For Indonesia, yes, some national on textile company they start uh, producing uh, PPEs and then also uh, fast mask but then we um, I mean this bring us to uh, different uh, issues like uh, in alternating the production lines it requires the availability of a raw material and also uh, government to government uh, arrangement and then also certain level of the workers skill i mean if we uh, review the the G, the recent g20 meeting like there is a sort of like a potential a new job division among countries yeah in this uh, pandemic uh, crisis on who uh, producing what and then who will uh, supply the raw material and then who will uh, provide the fund we don't know how this uh, will go in the in the future whether there will be a new international job division whether it will uh, lead to a new uh, trade uh, agreement or how this thing uh, will uh, intersect with the existing uh, trade uh, agreement is there maybe we should have a discussion because we are completely against the all the existing uh, trade agreement but then now this pandemic crisis uh, we all have to uh, work uh, together, but of course not in a in a in a context of capitalism, but more in a context of uh, solidarity. And then, 
what about the unions uh, strategy? What possible uh, 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 strategy that could be uh, developed by the union? First, uh, this is based on the on the field situation uh, in uh, in Myanmar and also a bit about uh, from Indonesia that it is important for the union to start expanding the organizing scope, reaching out former members who just lost their jobs during this. Uh, crisis and potentially become informal workers because we don't know when the when the manufacturer sector will uh, revive again will uh, rebound again so the unions uh, this is not a new discourse but they they have to start uh, thinking uh, about this and uh, especially in a, in a Myanmar, it's very important for the union to seize the opportunity uh, uh, in, a, in a COVID-19 uh, tripartite dialogue. Basically, this is a sort of like a local effort, how to influence the policy making uh, at the local level, this policy making that will affect the employer's uh, behavior uh, at the national level, and also cross-sector alliance that could shape bargaining power at the grassroots level. It's a very uh, important, like for instance, uh, the unions working together with the farmer group to ensure the sustainability of uh, of uh, food during this uh, crisis. Yeah. Um, so, what about the international uh, solidarity? I think this uh, pand pandemic has uh, reshaped uh, many things, including uh, cross border and uh, labor mobility in uh, in a general. And Debbie has uh, mentioned a bit about the migration. So um, let's talk about this cross-border or our universal social protection, universal wage uh, system and healthcare, and also uh, social contract uh, as a part of a discussion on the alternative uh, supply chain and then uh, due diligence. So um, let's, I mean, let's start something with something uh, feasible and then and, and, uh, possible, yeah, like we can uh, review the global framework agreement. And that was Sri Walandri, who is a Myanmar country officer for Unionate Abroad, AFIDA. And if you want to support AFIDA, go to their website, all the w's.afida.org.au. Um, there are some materials from the public meeting where um, Sri Walandri spoke, where you heard this talk from, but also they have a special COVID-19 pandemic fundraising appeal. So go to their website and support them. But Pierre, that brings us to the end of the program. Another another fantastic show, if I say so myself. Um, and uh, we keep bringing the news and I think it's very important especially in these COVID-19 times as you mentioned at the start so thanks for listening keep supporting us and 3CR Radio and we'll be back next week my name is Pierre Morrow I'm Giselle Hanna